Well, I, I was going to say it's the second in the series of our four talks on living the victorious life. But there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Hayden. We love you. He's fantastic. I love Hayden. Good morning, everybody. It's fantastic to be here and to see your smiling faces this morning. It really is such a blessing and a privilege to be in the house of God. And uh, we can come here, you know, week on week and, and be together, but we know that church is so much more than just a Sunday morning. Church is, is life together in the Spirit. Church is every day, every moment when we encourage one another, when we speak to one another in songs and psalms and spiritual songs and, and hymns and we can, we can sing praises to God in our homes and be church. We can be here on a Sunday morning and we can be church. We can meet in the cafe in the week and be church. We can be out in the streets and we can be church. Because the church of God is advancing. The church of God is being built. And He is building because He is the architect and He is the builder and He is the chief cornerstone. What we get to advance is the kingdom. He gets to build the church, we get to advance the kingdom. It's a good deal. We get to be the church that he's building. So it is really good this morning to be able to share with you uh, the second part of the, the series uh, that we have uh, decided to, to share. And it was a decision that we took uh, because we really felt that the Holy Spirit was speaking to us to encourage us as a body uh, in, in what he is preparing us for in the seasons to come. And so last week, April started the series, the series being, called, uh, being entitled Living Victoriously. And April started last week uh, to, to encourage us to really press in as the bride to be all who God has called us to be. And uh, April shared from Ezekiel chapter 47, talking about the river of God. And in Ezekiel 47, just to, to recap, to repaint that picture, it's the picture of Ezekiel being taken out uh, from the city, and, and uh, the Son of Man, so Jesus, takes Ezekiel out and, and shows Ezekiel the river, the river of God flowing from the city. And, and he, he measures out 100 cubits, and he takes Ezekiel out, and Ezekiel's at ankle level. And, and then he, he measures out another 100 cubits, and, and there's, you know, it takes Ezekiel out, and he's up to knees. And then he's out to his, his, uh, his hips. And then he's, he's flowing in the river, and the river is, is taking him wherever the river goes. It's not Ezekiel going where the river, you know, is. He's not controlling the river. The river's controlling him. Ezekiel is flowing in the river. And, and that is a picture, folks, of us in Christ, in, in the place where the Holy Spirit would say, come with me. Come with me at ankle level. Come with me at knee level. Come with me at waist level. Come with me and swim in the river. Let me take you in the river. And it's important to understand that when we become believers, thank you, Nick, appreciate you. When we become believers, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we say to Jesus, I choose you. And when we, when we say yes to Jesus and we receive that seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And there is the subsequent thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is further enabling by His grace to exercise the gifts that he gives us, right? Okay, we know, we know this stuff. And the, the purpose of this series of living victoriously is to remind us, and for those of us who are newer in the faith, maybe to, to share some truths, some keys, for us to begin to walk into the further things of God. And so what I'm, what I'm going to share today is to take off from where April finished last Sunday, talking about the river. And what I want to reiterate about walking in the river, ankle, knee, hip, and then swimming in the river, that can all happen in a day. Let me say that again. 
you can go from ankle depth to swimming in the river of the Spirit in a single day. You can do it in an hour. Where is your heart? What do you want? What is your heart willing to lay down and say, I want all of you? That can all happen in a day. But there's another part of the process. There's another part of the process called sanctification. And sanctification is that part of life. It's that process where each moment of each day, the Holy Spirit is wanting to take hold of another part of our lives and make us more Christ-like. It's that process of becoming more Christ-like. It's that process of becoming the one who is in the image of the Savior. We become like Him. When we look in the mirror, we see His eyes looking back at us. When others see us, they see Jesus looking at them. Because we're in that process of being changed, that process of moving in Christ. And so I want to share with you uh, some scriptures. We're going to get to, to some other things in a moment. But let me just start here with some scriptures. So if we, if we turn in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, we're going to read it in, in the Passion Translation first. No, we're not. We're going to read it in the NIV version first. I'm glad we're doing it actually in the, in the NIV because there's a word in that scripture on that screen right there that is really important. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I love that scripture. Why do I love that scripture? Because it says to me that it is God who works in me to will and to do his good purpose. But it also challenges me. What does it challenge me to do? To work out my salvation. So it's a partnership. I get to work out. Okay, I don't look like I work out. But I get to work out in fear and trembling my salvation. And God works in me to will and to do. It's good, isn't it? But there's a key word in, that, in, that, uh, in, that, in those verses, and it is the word, therefore. You're thinking, what? Therefore, why is that important? Of all of those words, there's, there's great words there. There's salvation, there's fear, there's trembling, there's will, there's act, good purpose. Why are those not the words that are important? No, the word that's important there is therefore. And the reason that I've chosen that word to be important is because what it means is that there was something said before it that's important. Okay? So oftentimes we'll read Scripture, we'll have these phrases, they'll, they'll sink into our spirits, and they're really good, and we can draw on those words in moments when we need encouragement. But all of Scripture is important, and you need to read it in context. Okay? So what is the therefore... Because therefore, basically, Paul is saying, therefore, so because of all these things I've told you, this is now important. So what are all the things that Paul spoke about beforehand? And I'm going to take us back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And I'm not going to read that. Uh, well, I can read that, I suppose. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, just because it's, there's more, there's more uh, revelation, I think, in, in that 
version. And it says this, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. Isn't that good? That is awesome. Look how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with his comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. And it's this draw into him that Paul is talking about. It's that draw into Christ that Paul is saying, it's important. Because first, you have to start with a friendship. First, you have to start with relationship. Before you can go deeper. Before you can begin to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God then to work in you to will and to do His good purpose. So it starts with friendship. It starts with relationship. What Philippians also talks about is unity with the brothers and the sisters in Christ. And so Paul is saying, it's important also that as the church, we live and work together. We love one another. We have good relationship with one another. We are strong and supportive of one another. And that is where it starts. It's relationship. It's friendship. And so it's encouraging for us to recognize that when Christ says to us, I want to work in you and you partner with me to become more like me, it starts with, and I'm your friend. And I'm with you. And we're together in this as a body. Okay, so step one, friendship with God. Friendship with Him. Friendship with the Spirit. Strengthened in the Spirit. Step two, working out salvation. It's that process of, right now, I need to partner with God. There's things in my life that I really need to change. There's things in my life that I know are not of Him. And they're not pleasing to Him. And there's a better way. And so there's that process of working out our salvation in fear and trembling. But there's a key here, another key in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read that one from the NIV. And it says this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Are you so foolish, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? What does that mean? It's Paul, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, encouraging the believers, exhorting the believers in the church in Galatia to say, I don't understand why you are trying so hard in and of yourself to make yourselves better. Because you know that's not going to work. I'm sorry, folks. You just don't have it in you to make yourselves Christ-like. Stop trying. Don't be foolish. Not my words. The Apostle Paul's words. Don't be foolish. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that you're strong enough, that you're good enough, that you're able, that you're, you've got it together enough. To make yourselves more like Christ. What started in the Spirit needs to run by the Spirit. So we need Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to work in us. 
I'm going to read that same scripture. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, and it says this, Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Your new life in the Anointed One began with the Holy Spirit giving you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? So it's that, it's that admonition from Paul to say, guys, the Holy Spirit is with you. Trust in Him. Press into Him. Ask Him to help you. So, last week, April mentioned a... I don't even know what to, what to call him. A stalwart in the faith. Somebody who had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. His name was Reese Howells, and he was a Welshman. He was a Welsh coal miner at the end of the 1800s. And he was part of the Welsh revival in the 1904 Welsh revival. And God got hold of this Welshman, this young Welsh miner, and radically changed his life and used Reese to completely revolutionize and bring revival to much of South Wales. There was a major reformation that happened, a major change in the spiritual atmosphere through the ministry that God put into Reese. And, and so last week, April talked about uh, the story, a little bit of Reese Howells, uh, from a book called Reese Howells Intercessor uh, by an author by the name of Norman Grubb. It's a, it's a biography by Norman Grubb of Reese Howells. Uh, April had, uh, had her copy of the book. I've got my copy of the book. Mine's a little bit older. It's held together by good old duct tape. And if I open it, it's probably going to fall to pieces, so I won't open it too, too far. But it is amazing. It's one of the books that has helped me and encouraged me and inspired me to press into God more because there's more. There is always more. There are deeper levels. There's ankle, there's knee, there's hip, waist, and there's, there's swimming in the river. And so reading his life, reading the story of his life, encourages me to press into more. And there, there, was, there was a time in, in Reese's life, as April shared, where the Holy Spirit took hold of him and over a period of five days challenged Reese in areas of his life that were not pleasing to God, that God wanted to take hold of to will and to do his good purpose in, because God had a plan to use this man to bring life through Jesus to South Wales and to the world. And in those five days, I'm just going to list a couple of the things that the Holy Spirit challenged Reese in. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is necessarily going to challenge you in these same areas. This is Reese's life. But it's the principle. It was his relationship with Holy Spirit that caused him to want to change, to want to get on his knees to repent, to want to say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you and less of me. In those five days, Reese died to his love of money, to his right to cho choose to make his own home. He died to his ambition he died to his reputation, and he died to his own free will. Those were the areas that Holy Spirit was challenging this man, saying, I've got more for you. Do you want the more? Because if you want the more, here's what you need to do. Here's how you work out your salvation in fear and trembling. 
and it took Reese five days of agony in spirit. Because those things are hard to give up, folks. Those things are so ingrained in us because of culture, because of self, because of our nature. But Holy Spirit is saying, I've got more for you. I want more for you. Here's what, here's the journey we're going on. And throughout that process of Reese coming to a place where he acknowledged that there are things that, him, that, are in his, that were in his life that he needed to change, that he needed to, to leave behind, there was that process that brought him to the place where he said, I am yours. Whatever, whatever it is, I am yours. I trust you. I haven't the foggiest what you're doing. I can't see what you're doing. I can't understand everything that you're leading me into, but I know it's good because by nature you are good. And the word says that you will do your good purposes in me. You will bring me to a place where I can partner with you to do your good purposes. And in fact, one of the things right at the end of this process and a couple of years down the line, the Lord even challenged Reese Howells for a season to take up a Nazarite lifestyle. Now, if any of you have seen that amazing movie called The Mission with Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons, you will, you will know a little bit about the Nazarite order. The Nazarite order is when you basically give up your rights to all things that are worldly, and you live sort of in an absolute, I have nothing. It's basically, it's the equivalent of the Old Testament sackcloth and ashes type of lifestyle. And there was a character in the Old Testament um, named Samson, and Samson lived a Nazarite lifestyle. He was a Nazarite. But there was a thing about Samson, we know about Samson, we know the, the story of Samson, maybe, hopefully, possibly. Samson was a Nazarite, and what the Nazarite lifestyle means is that you separate yourself from all the things of the world. You separate yourself from all the evil things, the things that could tempt you, the things of the flesh. But in the story of Samson, there is actually no indication that he was actually first separated unto God. And this is where I'm going to start expanding the story a little bit. Remember that when Samson encountered Delilah, the story of Samson and Delilah, he was not able to resist Delilah's charms and temptations because he was separated from the things of the world, but he was not first separated unto God. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. He was separated from the things of the world as a Nazarite. He had chosen in his own strength to say, I'm going to choose to, to separate myself from the love of money. I'm going to choose to separate myself from the love of food. I'm going to choose to separate myself from self. Delilah comes along. And in all of his own strength, all of the things that he'd given up, he couldn't resist. 
the temptations. And there's two words that talk about holiness in the Old Testament. So we know that the, whole, the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew language. Here we go. Stuart's bringing out his Hebrew. I do love the Hebrew. I do love the, the Hebrew and the Greek of the, of the Bible. It's just, it's beautiful. There's two words in the Old Testament that talk about holiness. We are called to be holy people. But very often, the concept of holiness to us in the church is to be separated from the world. And the Hebrew word for that is nazir, which is where we get the word nazirite. Nazirite. And so nazir talks about being separated from the things of the world. And that is, that is the, an element of, of holiness. But throughout Scripture, time and time and time again in the Old Testament, there is another word that means holy. And it is the word Kadash. And Kadash doesn't mean separated from the world. Kadash means separated unto God. And that's where life starts. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Why are you so foolish that what began in the spirit, you are trying to finish by flesh? Why are you trying to nazir when you should be kadashing? Okay, now I'm jumping from Hebrew into the Greek. But the concept is the same. From Old Testament to New Testament, the concept is the same. God does not ask you to make yourselves holy and then come to him. He does not say to you, well, I will have nothing to do with you until you clean up your mess. Because if that's the case, then why Jesus? If God thinks you can do it, why Jesus? God knows us better, beloved. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows that in ourselves, we cannot live life by Nazir. We have to Kadash. And I love the nature of the Spirit. Because when He calls us, He empowers us within that calling. When He says to you, Beloved, my son, my daughter, I have something for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. I have a calling for you. I have an adventure that I want to embark on with you. He says it because it's, he's inclusive. He wants to walk with you. He doesn't want to send you on a journey and he'll wait for you at the end. He wants to journey with you.
And I believe as part of this call, as part of this series that we're doing here at Gateway about learning to walk victoriously. God is calling us to partner with Him in some new ways. He's inviting us. He's inviting us into a season where He's asking you to separate yourselves unto Him in a new way. So where you are maybe currently having a 10-minute quiet time with Him in the day, He's inviting you to a 15-minute quiet time or a half-hour quiet time, a time where you're having a devotion with Him. You're, you're spending time with Him. He's saying, Beloved, come with me. Steal away with me. I love the Song of Solomon, the book of the Song of Solomon. It's that picture of a, of a husband and wife or, a, or lovers just stealing away some quiet time together. Just to be together. And he's saying, beloved, come with me. I want to journey with you. And he's saying, if you will give me an extra five minutes, if you will give me an extra ten minutes, he's saying, if you will if you will give me one lunchtime a week where you will say, you know what, I'm going to skip lunch today and I'm going to go for a walk with Papa. I'm just going to go walk with Spirit. Because I don't need that lunch. It'd be nice. But I'd rather have him. So go for a, go for a 10-minute walk and just chat. And he's saying to you, beloved, when you get home in the evening and, and, and you're, you're exhausted, pour yourself a glass of wine and go and sit out on the deck and have a glass of wine with him. Or a glass of milk. He doesn't mind. Just have that moment with him. He's inviting you. Inviting you, beloved, have that, have that moment with me. Kadash with me. Separate yourself unto me and spend some time with me. And he's challenging all of us to spend this little bit of extra time with him because the more time you spend with him, the more you're going to look like him. The more your character and your nature is going to be transformed because your mind is being renewed, according to Romans 12, so that you look like him, so that you represent him. April and I, and um, Phil and Angela, there you are, I did see your faces, yay! And a few others, I think Jan, Trevor, we were fortunate enough a couple of weeks ago, months ago, weeks, months, almost a month, two months, I don't know, long time ago. End of May. It's, gosh, time. We got to, to go to Swansea to a, a conference called Bless Wales. And we spent three days being encouraged and exhorted, listening to good teaching and being prophetically encouraged and motivated, having blessings spoken over us to press in to more. Because the word of the Lord is, I am coming. The word of the Lord is, Wales is mine. The word of the Lord is, something greater is coming. 
than the 1904 revival. Because what is coming is coming to stay. And one of the, one of the speakers at the conference was an American pastor by the name of Dutch Sheets. And he's, he's written a couple of books, one of them called Intercessors or Intercessory Prayer. And it's, it's a great book. And if you get the opportunity to read it and just be encouraged, please do that. But he spoke about an, an experience that he had with God a couple of years ago in a quiet time that he was having, in a time of devotional that he was having. And in in his, in his devotional time, he was laying on the floor, as you do, just waiting on the Holy Spirit, just listening. He'd invited Holy Spirit to speak to him, and he was just waiting. And actually, it's, it's, um, it's Dutch sheets that, that encouraged me and um, is the reason why I love the Hebrew and the Greek of the Bible. Because he loves the Hebrew and the Greek, and I learned a lot from, from Pastor Dutch in, in my early years as a, as a believer. And um, he was just laying on the floor, having his devotional time, and God spoke to him five words. Wait. Second word, wait. Third word, wait. You're guessing. Fourth word, wait. Fifth word, wait. But as the Lord spoke those five words, wait, 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 wait. The Lord spoke the words as clearly as I'm speaking to you now, but in Pastor Dutch's mind and in his spirit, he saw five Hebrew words. Wait, 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 wait. And the fifth was wait, but not W-A-I-T as the first four were, but W-E-I-G-H-T, wait, as in heavy weight. And as, as the Lord spoke these five weights to Pastor Dutch, he knew that the Lord was challenging him to go and discover some revelation out of those words. And so he did, because, you know, when somebody says to you, hey, <laughs> I've got some treasure for you. I've got something really, really good for you. And I've hidden the good stuff in the Word of God. You want to go and explore. You want to go and discover. And so Pastor Dutch went into to a time of, of just meditating, contemplating, studying the Word and understanding what, the, what those five weights meant. And the first weight, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the Hebrew words on these ones. But the first weight talks about the weight that is when you wait patiently. Where he has spoken something, but he says... I know the right time for that to come about. And so I'm asking you, son, daughter, would you wait with me? Be patient. It's coming. I've spoken it. I've promised it. And I'm not a man that I should lie. I've spoken it. Now wait with me. And it will come to pass. So there's that waiting patiently. The second wait is where we don't wait with passivity. It's not a case sirrah sirrah attitude of waiting. But it's, a, it's an attitude of waiting that says, I trust in God. And so it's a wait with a trust. 
a weight that says, I know my God is faithful. And I will trust in Him. And I'm putting all my trust in Him. And I'm not going to try and make this happen. And I'm preaching to myself because we had this conversation this morning. We're waiting on something. April and myself. We're waiting on something. And as a man, I'm like, oh, I could do this. And I could do that. And I could. And, and she's like, beloved, wait. She, she's saying, beloved, would you wait? Because Papa has promised and he's faithful and you can trust in him, so wait. I'm like, oh, seriously. But I will wait because I know he's good. And I know he's faithful. And I can trust in him. So I'm waiting. The third wait means to wait longingly and lovingly. It's the example of David, King David in the Old Testament, that says, better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. It's that desire that I know something's coming, I know there's something good, and I'm going to wait with anticipation. I'm going to lovingly wait with a longing in my heart because God has said something will happen, and so I'm pressing in. I love the fourth weight. The fourth weight, again, we're still on the W-A-I-T weights. The fourth word literally translates to be braided together. I love it. To wait being braided together with God. Those who wait on the Lord will have their strength renewed. If you're braided with the Lord, if you're braided with Him, if you're entwined with Him, He becomes your strength. He doesn't give you strength. He becomes your strength because you are entwined with Him. His nature becomes your nature when you wait on Him. And so it's not difficult to separate from the world because you're separated unto Him and you're waiting on Him. You're entwined with Him. Okay, so we've talked about the four weights. Wait, 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 wait. And the fifth weight is the weight of glory. The weight of glory. And that is because when you've waited, and you've waited, and you've waited and you've waited, He will pour out the weight of His glory on you. It is the promise of the Lord that through the process of sanctification, because all of those weights involve the Holy Spirit taking hold of you in a deeper way, He will pour His glory, His kabod, on you. You know, when the when the glory of God comes and He's called us to move in His glory, when He's called us to operate out of His glory, when He's called us to shine 
with the glory that was all over Moses' face because Moses waited for God. Moses waited in the presence of God until the weight of God's glory shone on and in and through him. When we wait on God, his glory falls. Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 says, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And I believe that he is saying to us, beloved, and I'm going to prophetically speak this over us right now as a body, as a congregation. So will you stand with me, please? He is saying, beloved, consecrate yourselves. Separate yourselves unto me. Kadash yourselves. So that I can pour my glory, the weight of my glory on you. So that tomorrow I can do wonders amongst you. The prophetic word to us as a congregation, as a people, as representatives of the King of Kings, of the King of Glory, is that we are going to make a difference in our land. We are going to bring the glory of God into Abergavenny, into Monmouthshire, into Torvine, into Gwent, into Blenagwent. We are going to bring the glory of God into South Wales. That is the prophetic word over us. That is his declaration. I want my glory to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Is that right? Thank you. He has said to, to us, I am going to make you an apostolic sending center, resourcing center, building center, so that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'm pouring out my love on you. I'm pouring out my blessing on you. I'm pouring out my anointing on you. So beloved, step in. Step into the river. Step into the river and say yes to God. Spend more time with Him. Wait on Him. Practice the art of waiting. Press in. Press in. Every time, every time the Lord said to His people that He was going to do something great, He first said, consecrate yourselves. Whether it was to Joel, whether it was to Hezekiah, whether it was to Joshua, He said the same thing. Consecrate yourselves. Come to me. Spend time with me. Know me. And I will do great things through you. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. My life scripture. The people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. You, my friends, are the people of God. You've chosen Him. You've said yes to Him. And He has said, and I will be strong in you, and you will do great exploits. When you wait, when you entwine yourself with me, my strength becomes your strength. My limitless, abounding resource becomes your limited abounding resource. We're going to take a moment here. We're going to take a moment. And I'm going to invite you to respond to the Word of God today. And I'm not going to ask the ministry team 
to come up and be prepared to pray with you because this is not something that the ministry team can choose for you. This is something you get to choose for yourself. Do you want it? Because if you want it, say, I want it. If you want it, put your hands out because he is going to pour into you today. So I pray, Father God, would you pour your spirit into your people today? Those who you have called, those who you have anointed, I pray, Father God, would you pour your spirit into your people, onto your people, over your people, will you call them in to the river? And Father, today, we choose to kadash ourselves, to separate ourselves unto you. We choose you first, foremost. We choose you, Almighty God. Jesus, your blood has paid for my past. It has paid for my sin. And I am free in you. And if you don't know Jesus today, and you have absolutely no clue what it means to live in the fullness of the life that God has given you, then I want to encourage you this morning to be bold and to say, I want that life. I want that full life. I want that overcoming life. I want that victorious life that sets me free. Because I know that I'm bound. I know that I'm not living that full life. I know that there's something in me that's missing. And you know who you are. If you don't know Jesus, invite him in this morning to say, Jesus, I need you. I don't know how to do this Christian thing. I don't know how to do this church thing. I don't know how to do this Nazir thing. But I know how to do Kadash. I'm choosing today to separate myself to you. I'm choosing to obey you. I'm choosing to say yes to you. Because I'm telling you that he is faithful. So we're just going to take a moment here. And as the the worship team ministers, I'm going to invite you to just spend a moment waiting on God. And you can stand and you can sit and you can kneel and you can come forward. Whatever you need to do to say and to demonstrate that you are choosing God. If you want that today, you know what you need to do. It's not a formula. It's not a pattern. There's nothing that you have to physically do. You don't have to put your hands up or to put your hands out. But if you feel like you need to, do that, please. And then we'll close off. Thank you.